on today's episode, listen to an interview I recently had with Caitlin Fahi Crow, a renowned cellist. Welcome to the Music Secrets Exposed podcast. I'm your host, Sylvia. Well, today we have a fantastic lady on the podcast. Her name is Caitlin Fahey Crow. She is a freelance cellist and artist teacher now living in New Mexico. And she has been a principal cellist and she's done loads of amazing things and she's studied lots. Now, I'm not going to explain what she's done. I'll leave the lady herself explain. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited about this podcast. So, Caitlin, welcome. Can you just tell us who you are and how you got into music firstly? Yes. Well, um, I have been studying the cello since age six. So that's about 33 years, I think, if my math is correct. And I got to this particular instrument um, sort of in a roundabout way. We had some, my parents had some friends who had a young daughter who was studying violin and they came to visit us and she brought her little tiny, you know, probably like 16th size violin with her. And I just became obsessed with it. And according to my mom would not stop talking about it. So she started looking for a violin teacher and couldn't really come up with anybody in our area, but somebody did recommend this cello teacher. And she agreed to meet with me um, because she was, I guess, a little bit skeptical about my age. I don't know if she'd ever worked with anybody in the, you know, six years old department before. Um, So I went to meet her and she let me touch her cello and, you know, just kind of a little bit of a pizzicato on it and um i forgot all about the violin and decided from then on i was a cellist so i was i was lucky enough that she decided to take me on as a student from that initial meeting um and she was my teacher from age six to age 17 until i graduated high school um and she's still a dear friend of mine and somebody that i just um have really taken um, sort of as a mentor in my life, uh, just not even related to cello anymore. Um, And an interesting side note is she's now a full-time instrument builder. Um, She was sort of developing and honing her luthier's craft all through her teaching career and then got so good at it and had so much demand for her instruments that she eventually retired from teaching and now makes instruments full-time. And a couple of years ago, I commissioned a cello from her um, after many years of saving up to <laughs> be able to afford one. And um, she makes incredibly detailed um, and incredibly artistic instruments. I mean, a, a cello is a, an artistic thing in and of itself, but she also does artwork and carving and gold inlay and all kinds of interesting things on these instruments that's sort of a um, a forgotten um, thing of the past, you know, Baroque instruments used to be really highly decorated. And so she's sort of bringing that back. Um, so my instrument, for example, has a mermaid painted on the back 
um, and the scroll is carved in an asymmetrical fashion so that the tail, it forks at the bottom and that's the mermaid's tail. Um, she painted a beautiful ocean scene on the inside. So when you look through the F hole, you can see this sort of frothy, foamy waves. Um, so yes, I, I have a piece of her um, in my instrument as well, which is really super, super special. <laughs> Oh my, it sounds so special. It really does. Like I describe it as a soul wrenching instrument. It's just, if yes. I was to choose another instrument to learn I, of a string variety, it would be the cello. I think it's I just think it's an excellent beautiful. choice. It's just beautiful. Yes. I think the violin for me is too high pitched, but the cello Agreed. just that yeah. resonance. It's just, it's very hard to describe, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing yeah. instrument. So what is your favorite musical genre? Now, I've been looking at your site and it's crowhellostudio.com and I see loads of color. I see fantastic students and they play all genres of music from like contemporary to classical, a whole variety. So do you have a favorite genre of music? <laughs> well, that's that's a, a really excellent question because I, I really struggle to answer with just one. I think classical is like my soul music. It's definitely the thing that I was first trained in. I grew up in an environment where my parents were listening to a lot of classical music. So I would say that is for sure my base, my foundation, the thing that I always come back to. Um, but there's just so much music in the world that's inspiring. And I feel even if I don't particularly take to a certain genre and listen to it all the time that I just, I find constant inspiration from so many. Um, a lot of people are shocked to find that one of my very favorites is pop music. I think it's just, it's highly, I don't know, I guess for, for trained musicians, particularly in those in the classical world, they, it sort of gets scoffed at as, you know, it's not a real thing. It's sort of this manufactured bubblegum whatever, but, and, you know, and that does happen. That is true, but, um, there are incredible artists, um, people who have just incredible vocal ability or who are multi-instrumentalists or who do actually write their own music. And, um, I think there's a lot to be learned, especially now, as we were discussing before we started recording that we're living this new era yes. of how do we navigate the internet? How do we navigate, um, especially as freelancers, this idea of, self-promotion it's very difficult to make yourself vulnerable again and again and again by posting your work posting your students yeah. you know and i think there's there's a lot of valuable um skill to be learned from how pop musicians um package themselves of course they have large companies and there's a lot of commerce and things behind it but um i just yeah i think there's there are lessons to be learned everywhere. I agree. But um, the thing about social media, if you take on too much of it, it can be so draining and overwhelming for a musician, because like you said yourself, like if you're really at that deep level of expression, you're exposing who you are, you're being vulnerable. Yes, And absolutely. I've heard people getting burnout because they don't know how to pull back to uh, retain their energies or regain right. their energies to come forward again which is a task and it's it's like it's something that I think people don't talk about enough of um, mm -hmm. about that whole idea of how you 
maintain your energy and how you can step back. And I think somebody who was really good at it was uh, Joni Mitchell. Oh, interesting. Yes, she I was looking into her story recently because she's regarded now as one of probably the best songwriters of our day. Mm-hmm. But she, because of health and because she didn't want people following her, just walked away and regained her energies, regained her health because she's had health issues all her life and then came back with something new. Mm. And she wanted people to follow the music and not the personality of Joni. Ah, yes. Um, which I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to mm-hmm. be said for that. Yes. So you've performed a lot. I get the sense that you've performed a lot. I was reading in your bio on your website that you were the principal cellist with the La Jola Symphony, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, La Jolla, La Jolla Symphony. Oh, La Jolla. There you are. Yeah, yes. butcher that one. That's all right. <laughs> okay, so what style of music would you play with that symphony? Would it be jazz? I'm going by the name. Is it jazz or classical? or? So that's anything? a very interesting ensemble. Um, it is since the last, oh gosh, 14 years or so, 15 years. Um, it's been conducted by a composer named Stephen Composer. A percussionist. Well, I guess he is a composer also, but a pre- primarily a contemporary percussionist named Stephen Schick, who's very well known in the contemporary music world, bang on a can, all stars, et cetera. Um, and he's now a tenured professor at UC San Diego, which is very much known for its contemporary music program. Um, and he had no conducting experience when he took that ensemble over. Um, but he's become known, um, I would say internationally, honestly, at this point for programming, just really interesting things for what was primarily before just a classical symphony. Um, So you might have something by John Luther Adams and Beethoven, and then a student composer, graduate student composer on the same program. Um, We did, oh gosh, what's one of our most memorable? Um, One that comes to mind is a piece by Tan Dunn, who also did the music for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He performed, um, Steve Schick conducted and performed the Water Concerto by Tan Dunn, which is performed by, of course, the orchestra ensemble, and then three percussionists at the front with these beautiful sculptural vats of water that they are using as their instruments putting various objects in. Yeah. Very experimental. Um, It sounds like super experimental, lots of people who would come with instruments that they had invented Uh, this thing called a quadricord. That's, you know, literally the, the width of the stage. um, That's like a keyboard slash stringed instrument slash electronic instrument. Um, We composed that guy composed a concerto for that instrument and played the concerto with the orchestra. Um, but then we would also have, you know, someone come in and play the El Garcello Concerto. So it was really mm. um, quite an amazing experience. That sounds um, really interesting. It's like yeah. a, it's like the Wild West of music in a sense. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And for sure, I'd never had any exposure before to um, really the world of contemporary classical music or li- uh, working with a living composer, you know, having never heard the piece, there's no reference recording, there's nothing to really... You're, you're building it as you go. And then the composer is in the room giving feedback. And so that was very, very cool to have this. Um, I, that sounds brand new... so ultimately creative. 
Yes, super collaborative. And challenging, I presume too, fun and challenging and creative kind of all yes. together to bring everybody Absolutely. In together. I can imagine. Yeah, initially very intimidating because of all of these new things composers are asking you to do, extended techniques, or they're not even sure if it can be done on your instrument. So they've just sort of put a suggestion in the score and maybe even made up their own alternative notation to describe what they want. There's sometimes a glossary of terms in the front, you know, to sort of get you acclimated to what they what they want from you. But it's also very neat to have them there and to be able to ask them, well, did you really mean this? Or this is as close as I can get to what I think you want and create the sound and have them listen to it and and try to collaboratively but come to just it. I can imagine the performer, if, if you can just visualize, if, if the listener to this podcast just visualizes you're in an auditorium and you're watching all of this go on, even if you're not a musician, but you've this mega interest in music, it's that's an education in itself just to be there Absolutely. listening to it. Yes. Yeah. It was really actually exciting for me to, I was always excited to invite my students and their parents to come because I always felt like they were, they were never going to be bored for a second. There was always going to be something intriguing, um, something almost, you know, in, in some cases interactive, you know, where people would be asked to participate in the performances in some way, um, you know, have like a little prompt in their program or something. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that is something that I, I will always cherish as being a part of that ensemble. Sounds really, really interesting. Really interesting. Yes. So what's your opinion of crossover music? I know that, like you said yourself earlier about pop music, it's like the bubblegum music, if you will. But when you look at pop or sorry, crossover music, um, it's kind of like the marriage of classical with some form of popular tune. And the first people that come to my mind in this instance will be the piano guys. Um, right. One Absolutely. example, one very easy to find example on YouTube. What is your opinion of crossover music? Do you think it butchers classical music or do you think it's just a new development and it's like the Wild West? Let's see where it takes us or what's your opinion? I think I'm I'm sort of of two minds here. I sometimes feel that it's not as not as pure or not as sophisticated as I would like, but I I have so many people who've come to me and found the cello through, for example, the piano guys or the two cellos um, and who are of a certain age and sensibility that, that, you know, whatever it is in that just super, super speaks to them. So I, I feel like if they are arriving to this love and excitement for music through this particular avenue, who am I to say that it's incorrect or that it's lesser than, <laughs> even though I might not be so in other words, you've, you're open-minded to it. I definitely am. Yeah. I think it's very, um, yeah, I did actually go see the two cellos in concert once because I was, I was extremely curious to see what it would be like. <laughs> I just couldn't really, I, I, you know, I'd seen them on YouTube and I just couldn't imagine how they might possibly replicate. It seemed very produced to me, you know, in the, in the videos. And so I couldn't really understand how they might do that live. Um, and a lot of it was like, there was a lot of canned music and them just kind of like playing to a track, but honestly, I mean, their, their musicianship is undeniable. Um, even though some people might, you know, sort of be unhappy with where they've taken their classical training, you know, some might say they've sold out or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they definitely are dynamic and engaging performers. They, 
they really know how to command a stage and how to engage an audience and people just loved it. Like they were, they were so excited. You know, I, I unfortunately have been to many symphony concerts where I can just see the people around me like fighting sleep. And in, in this particular concert, you know, people were encouraged, they could stand up, they could dance in the aisle, they could, you know, kind of express themselves however they wanted. Um, they could even come to the lip of the stage, they were invited to do that a couple times. Um, so in that way, it was, I felt like it was somehow helping to make this mm -hmm. instrument and the classical music a little bit more accessible. This kind of brings us to a neat topic about performance. In my mm -hmm. own story of music and seeing what I've seen over a 20 year period in my neck of the woods here in Ireland, I haven't seen many people in the capacity of tutoring novice intermediate musician showing them the value of how, how to perform effectively. It doesn't matter how mm -hmm. footy-dotty it is and it mightn't be refined. Things like when you know your piece and you have your piece mastered on your chosen instrument, how to interact with the audience. Because notably in my own country here, we have a traditional Irish musician by the name of Sharon Shannon. She is like in a world of her own. She has passed out a ton load more of musicians simply because she knows how to interact, in my opinion, with the audience in front of her. And they love her mm -hmm. for it. And there's this interaction mm -hmm. as she's playing her squeeze box, as we call it. And she's just looking and she's smiling and she's like so engaged and it gets people to smile back and feel good. And it just raises up the vibration of everybody in that room. And it's just, you walk out of that concert or that event or whether it could be in a, like a summer village town in July or somewhere. And you're just saying, that's like a special memory that remains in your memory, that whole yes. impact. So like in your own tutoring of children, teens, adults, that kind of thing. Do you tutor them on that perspective of performance? Yes, I do. And, and this has been a work in progress for sure that I kind of was thinking, oh, this is something that will develop later when we reach different levels of artistry and then kind of realized that I needed to be building that in from very early on. Um, and helping somebody, I mean, as we've already touched on, that feeling of vulnerability is sometimes a big one to overcome for a lot of people to even get to their sort of artist persona of being an entertainer or being an engaging presence on stage or whatever, you know, ultimately comes of that. Um, so yeah, even with just um, learning how to breathe, how to work collaboratively with an accompanist, um, how to, I call it bow choreography. You know, what are you going to do with your bow at the beginning? What are you going to do with your bow at the end? Like actually talking about those things and planning those things out. Um, because at first it, I think it does all, it, it does all kind of have to be broken down and spelled out um, before it becomes natural or before it becomes something that you kind of take those tools and then make it your own. Um, or even just how to, how to walk with one's instrument um, onto a stage or how to, you know, think about how you're going to bow or what's your expression going to be? What's your facial expression going to be? Um, so yeah, I, I definitely more and more, I try to think about those types of things. I do think that, um, one of the main reasons for nerves 
or anxiousness is the lack of being prepared. And it's something that in my world yes. I haven't seen spoken about and I haven't seen tutors even bother to go there. And yes, you know, and I think in my own story that, for example, if I was shown how to do elements of those steps that you've just beautifully outlined, that you would see that it would take away a lot of the anxiousness and the nervousness that often inhibits performance. Definitely. So, Caitlin, I'd love to hear about your work and especially the Suzuki method. I've heard it for many years, banded about in different places, but I don't know much about it. So could you explain what it is and just introduce the whole concept? Yes. So the Suzuki method was developed by Dr. Shinichi Suzuki in Japan in the 40s and 50s. And he had this theory that music could be acquired, music skill could be acquired much like we acquire our native language. Um, So he called this the mother tongue method. And he had this idea that by educating the parent first and teaching the parent how to have music in the environment, Um, even before a specific instrument was chosen, um, that this could be a really amazing sort of preliminary step to acquiring musical skill. So that's sort of the first uh, tenet of this method. And then um, there's this other sort of primary um, pillar, which is the Suzuki triangle of the parent, the child, and the teacher all working as a unit. And in the very, very traditional Suzuki method, the parent actually learns first. So for example, if a parent were to come to me um, to ask for cello lessons for their child, um, I would potentially teach them up until twinkles, which is, or through the twinkles, which is sort of the the first um, set of pieces, all of these twinkle variations and various and sundry rhythms um, in the Suzuki cello book one. However, I will say that I don't consider myself a sort of Suzuki traditionalist anymore, even though that's my primary pedagogical training, um, because I've found over the years, as I'm sure most of us who teach know, that there's not a one-size-fits-all method or modality, and um, that someone might come to you who is actually a really excellent fit. But for whatever reason, you know, the parent doesn't want to go through six months of learning the cello before their child even gets an opportunity to do it themselves. Um, so I, I have very much adapted um, the Suzuki method. It's still a sort of skeleton, you know, framework of my teaching, um, but I don't adhere only to those method books anymore, only teaching the repertoire in those Um, Because I found, yeah, just over um, a few years of doing it that way, that it was a little too restrictive for some. Other people really like it. They love the fact that everything is just kind of laid out and planned out for you. And there are all of these, you know, sort of benchmarks and milestones of graduating from a book and knowing that you're going to advance to the next one. And then for other people, it's, it's worked much, much better to have a hybrid method of teaching. So now I incorporate much, much more into my um, pedagogy. I'm curious to know about the effect of using the parent in this whole triangular system, even if it's not traditional Suzuki, 
what has been your perception on it and you know what has been your opinion of it what have you seen well i think it's it's also got its pros and cons for sure i would say the pro is that if the parent is really on board and i'm able to work with them effectively if we have a good harmonious partnership um, they can be a, just a fantastic asset and ally for at-home practice and um, a resource for the child when I'm not there. And of course, I've over the years also learned to make myself much more available, um, especially with online teaching in the past year and a half. That's become even more prevalent where I just I feel like I'm kind of I'm kind of on call 24 seven, honestly, which maybe is not uh, the best boundary to have. <laughs> Um, established or lack thereof rather. But um, anyway, so that that is really a wonderful um, or can potentially be a wonderful asset, a wonderful tool. Um, the downside is, of course, if there is not a harmonious relationship, generally that happens between the child and the parent. And for whatever reason, they just don't work well together or um, the information is not being conveyed in a way that the child can be receptive to. And then that causes friction at home. Mm -hmm differing um, opinions on how to effectively do the task. Yes, yes. Or the parent decides that they they know best or this is how they've understood the assignment and so they just kind of barrel ahead and, you know, so that does lead to a lot of issue. Um, issue. Yeah. So in those cases, um, I've adapted to basically teach the child how to be an independent practicer from day one. Um, and how to give them tools and strategies, you know, in order to do that. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I was actually just talking with my mom yesterday about how, even if we're not teaching in the Suzuki method where the, the parent is, you know, supposed to be an integral part of the tuition, that um, it is essentially like having two clients when you're working with a family. You have the the child that you need to develop a really close relationship and rapport with in order to understand their learning style and in order to, in my opinion, to have a good um, experience and then also really understand and figure out the parent um, so that they're pleased with your services, that they're pleased with what their child is learning and that, you know, keeping everybody happy and moving forward. So on your part, there's a lot of thinking and kind of psychology of playing. Yes. Trying to figure out Absolutely. what's going on here, the dynamics. Yes. Yes. So you need time away as much as time in to figure it out. Yeah. And I have frankly, at certain times in my teaching career, thought about, well, maybe I do need a degree in psychology, or maybe I do need like a, you know, a social work certificate, or I don't know, something like that in order to really yeah. fully understand these family dynamics and mm -hmm. how I fit into all of that and how to successfully navigate them. Because it's, yeah, it's very okay. much effectively yeah. and all that mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. it's quite interesting because in the early years when I started tutoring myself it was very much in the school system the music school system and there was all these politics and you yes. know the budget was the big thing and you had to do things a certain way so I said okay enough of this I'm going my own route and yes after time out and just reviewing everything I I returned to tuition but with my own opinions on the matter if you will and testing mm -hmm. And I discovered that when I was actually present, I decided rather they come to me. No, I'll go to them in my local community. And what I really discovered was that when I was in their space, in their home, the standards of learning went way up. 
compared to them coming to a school of music where the parents sat in the car freezing dark nights of winter and money was being paid but the results were very poor in that situation but when I really paid attention to the student spoke to the parent but very much left independent with the student in their home and then communicated with the parent the upsides the downsides what needed to be worked on for the following week wow it just revolutionized everything and that has been my own personal experience in it um occasionally I have met a pushy parent which was um difficult one a challenging situation to navigate however Mm -hmm. the end result we we got there we got there yes Um, yes but I can I can really see that for the musical development of the child and to foster interest in it that it doesn't wane after the novelty has worn off to a point absolutely and to keep the child practicing and know that there is boundaries and expectations, but you're going to have great fun during the whole process. Yes. Once it's all harmonized, having the parent on board is a great idea. Yeah, it very much there's is. There's a lot to be said for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for it. Now, you seem to have this wide ranging experience, and I'm just wondering when you take music as a skill in life, And it doesn't matter whether you go to professionally perform, but just we say we have a skill in music. Have you seen music to help quality of life? You know, like community building and particularly in the times we're living in where people have been more isolated than they ever were in in consideration to mental health issue. Have you seen music really enhance people's lives? Definitely. And I, my husband is also a musician and we run our music studio together and we talk about this all the time that we're really ultimately more interested. I think in the beginning, the people that I studied pedagogy with were sort of what you might call all-star teachers. You know, they have this just incredible resume of, you know, they've just got this track record of sending people to conservatory and principal orchestra positions and all of these different things. And I used to sort of think, oh, that was the goal for me as well. You know, I just, I want to take everybody to this extremely high level and launch people into their professional careers. And of course, that's just not very realistic. You're not going to have an entire studio like that. At least most of us are not. And I've also decided that that's really not my primary aim. I would love to impart this love of the instrument, love of music, but also these incredible skills that arise from learning an instrument and from being involved in a musical community. I mean, it's just, it's applicable to really anything that you're going to encounter in life, learning grit, learning perseverance, learning focus, learning self-discipline, learning how to communicate effectively with others, uh, overcoming frustration um, learning how to express oneself in a nonverbal fashion. I mean, there are just all of these really wonderful tools that come out of it. And I'm really more interested in kind of now character development through the instrument of the cello, as opposed to teaching the cello. And then, you know, the other things are sort of a side residual benefit, um, You said a lot there with regards to, you know, dealing with frustration. Yes. Because, you know, how many students have we all met that, well, even in my own situation, like where you get frustrated, I can't get this piece right. And I'm about to do an exam. Oh, dear. You know, and frustration kicks in. I've seen it, you know, with students and the mastery 
the emotional mastery that is imparted to that student to help them get beyond that threshold. It's, yes. I think music encompasses just all that you said, you know, nonverbal mm-hmm. communication, you know, being vulnerable, all those key components. When it comes to community uh, music and getting students jamming together when they're able to get there to that stage, you know, once they've the novice stage is kind of completed and they've got a reasonable handle on their instrument. How do you value that? Do you think that's an important component of music education? I absolutely do. And so much so that I've also tried to find ways that even the very, very youngest beginners or just beginners in general of of any age can find a way to participate in in some capacity. Um, In the, I mean, at the moment, my cello studio is very much in flux since we're, uh, I've moved to a new state. We're, you know, doing sort of hybrid lessons and all of these different things. But um, the thing that I was most proud of and valued the most um, from the community that was built in San Diego was the fact that we could do so many things as a group. Um, So we would meet twice a month for um, in-person theory classes, um, in-person group ensemble playing. Um, We developed a cello choir that became... Uh, sort of a fixture in the community of going to a senior center and performing, or uh, we did a, <laughs> a Christmas tradition uh, that we named the cello wassel, uh, where we we learned how to play our cello standing up, and we went around my neighborhood in San Diego, um, just basically knocking on doors and you know cello caroling, um, and uh, that was quite the surprise for a lot of people just to see a bunch of you know like. 10 cellists show up at their door and, you know, serenade them with what, holiday. What a beautiful for holiday, oh, holiday tunes. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes, um, beautiful. So yeah, things like that are, are the things I have a few students graduating um, just this past month um, going off to college and they've had senior recitals online. And, and that's the thing that they always refer to as their fondest memory is all of these things that we've been able to do as an ensemble. Um, and I think in terms of just the, the studio culture, um, that these, you know, no one is learning cello in a bubble, in a vacuum, they're all aware of each other. And it's, um, it's just lovely to have people to look up to and to have older, more experienced students to act as mentors and role models, um, and sort of student teachers for younger students. Listen to that's huge. What you just did there making the older students mentors for the younger students because in what I have seen in my neck of the woods is very much a separation happening Ah. and you have this competition building into the whole scene of music and there's beautiful musicians with little gentle personalities that are extremely perhaps sensitive and they don't they're because of their personality makeup they don't have the confidence therefore to walk up to the concert stage and be encouraged there to do that whereas you know the great confident kind of kind of intermediate type will you know bust up there and stage and do his thing that's a wonderful wonderful way of doing yes I'm really really I'm hoping that that can be rebuilt um here I don't yet know that you know the studio is very much in flux at the moment but um it was really, really cool to have students who were willing to have their, you know, 
intermediate or advanced ensemble class and then stick around for the three and four year olds to come in and shadow, you know, have them shadow um, the older students. It was really, really valuable to have. But that's that's very inspirational for the three, four year old who says, oh, look, I, she's going to help me today. Exactly. Yay. Yes. <laughs> that's so clever. Yes. So clever. Wonderful. I love all your creative aspects to how you look at music and how you kind of build in little um, branches of thought into different aspects of the musical community that's surrounding you. It's really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really fascinating. Now, where can people find you? Are you doing online lessons for those of us who may not be in America? Yes, I am. Um, Oh, exciting. (laughs) Please. Wonderful world of Zoom. Exactly. That is one of the wonderful and amazing things to come out of this whole experience of 2020 and 2021, I feel, is just this. I mean, just last week, I took a an online pedagogy workshop with somebody in Texas. I mean, admittedly, that's not extremely far from where I am. But, you know, just to go for two days and come back would not have really been feasible for me with my work schedule. Um, but to be able to log in a few hours every morning and just soak in all of this amazing knowledge that this teacher was providing was just really fantastic. So, Well, I'm, personally I'm, speaking, I'm a real world person like most tutors have been, but I've been amazed at how much can be accomplished online. Absolutely. In terms of the quality of tuition that can be provided and the quality of education the student receives. I agree. I absolutely agree. And, um, I'm amazed, quite honestly, because yes. I was very much kind of concerned about it. Like, oh, is it going to work? Yes. Because, you know, when you're in this room of, with the student, you can literally physically touch the instrument yes. and point at something. Yes. And trying to communicate that across the digital platform can be um, thought-provokingly challenging. Definitely. Yes. No, I've really enjoyed, mm. actually, I was, same as you, extremely skeptical and extremely nervous about how all of this was going to pan out. Um, and if I would be able to just retain anybody's enthusiasm or inten- attention um, for this long. But I've found um, that it's been a really exciting and, as you said, thought-provoking challenge as well. And there have been many incredible sort of creative things that have emerged just from trial and error of, you know, how to, how to make this work and how to make this effective. And I know this, that this will likely change because people will not be as home as much and there will be, Mm -hmm. you know, other demands on their time. But I, I literally have never experienced this level of artistic growth just across the board from all of my students. Funny enough, yeah. funny enough, I was speaking to somebody who works in communications and they were saying the exact same thing about, you know, the, the creative explosion that has happened during this whole shutdown period, meaning that it may take a while for it to come through and to be seen, but there has been a huge amount of creativity over the last year, year and a half, yes. two years. Yes. Which has come across. Another question before we finish up, and I'm yes. sure there are some adults listening out there that absolutely adore the cello. I would be one of those. Um, how difficult is the cello to learn as an adult? Because you're speaking about children a lot, and yes. I understand why. Yes. But you know, I'm sure you may have got requests from adults, perhaps. I do. And I to learn. I work with just a few. Um, ironically, mostly parents who got inspired by watching their children and decided that they really wanted to do it too. Um, 
I, I will not mince words. I will say that it is, it is definitely a challenging instrument. It is, it can be extremely frustrating to hear this sound that you've grown to just really resonate with and really love and then pick up the instrument yourself and realize there are so many tiny steps to even getting to the point where you can produce a sound that is similar that you, that you really love as well. Um, but with that being said, um, there is so much that can be done even in the early stages that I think can be very fulfilling and enriching artistically. Um, so it is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who wish for instant gratification. <laughs> um, but if you're willing to take the baby steps and, and trust the process, it is, it is definitely possible. You'll get yes. You'll get I remember a lady that um, I worked with on Piano and Adult Lady, and she decided that she wanted to do violin as well. And she said, oh, this violin, I hear this most beautiful sound of the violin, but when I screech it, it sounds, oh, it goes through my head. <laughs> no, I can imagine, I can't imagine exactly. with the higher sound of the violin, uh, the higher yeah. pitch. <laughs> so um, I often smile at that idea. Yes. It's quite humorous, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I can imagine there's many memes created surrounding that. Whole oh, I would, I would imagine so too, yes. yes. <laughs> well, listen, Caitlin, it was a pleasure to have you on. And I think your work is fascinatingly interesting with what you're doing, with all Thank these branches so of thought processes that's going on. Like, how can you make your world more engaging and studying the various nuances of musical education and trying to break through new thresholds, which is really exciting, to be honest. Thank you. Yes, so, I find it extremely exciting. And where can uh, people find oh, yes. you? Yes. Okay. Well, you can find us on our website if you're interested in lessons. Um, that's www.crowstudios.house. That's H-A-U-S, like the German. And um, you can also find us. We have a quite active presence on Instagram. Um, so that's the same, crowstudios.house at crowstudios.house. Um, we're on Facebook, but most of the content that you'll see there is also our Instagram content. Um, we're on LinkedIn if you wish to uh, connect professionally. And that's under my name, Caitlin Fahey Crow. Um, and then, yeah, you could also um, write us an email if you find us through our website. Our email address is listed there and just get in touch. We'd love to hear from Perfect. you. Perfect. Perfect. Well, what a pleasure. Thank you very what much. Um, and thank you for your time today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the invite and for asking such interesting questions. Mm -hmm.